Welcome to Taboo Topic for your first weekend review in forever. Like in a month, I would say. Don't you think, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your host, Ken Drew. It's good to be back. And I just want to say, I am sorry for being this late. But anyways, I have a great episode for you today. We're going to go ahead and do something a little bit different. We're actually going to go ahead and do more than a week's worth of news. We're going to go for a full month because that's how long it's been since I last did an episode like this. I brought in over a friend that I met in San Antonio. So it's going to be a great episode and that's why I keep using the word we because we are going to have you covered and cover some stories that we think are worth noting and looking into. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, you can read future newsletters by typing in the URL at kenshin296.substack.com. I'll repeat, Kenshin. Dot, excuse me, kenshin296.substack.com. You can also follow me on Instagram by typing in Kenshin underscore express. Kenjin underscore express. And then last but not least, you can look me up on Facebook by typing in Taboo Topic. Look for the logo that says Honesty Equals Understanding. This is a taboo topic, a place where we dare to question narrative and think out loud, a place where free speech triumphs your safe space. Some of the stories we'll be looking into, we'll be looking into the approval ratings of Joe Biden. We're also going to be looking into the Aaron Rodgers debacle and the Let's Go Brandon uh, trend that has popped up in recent months or month, excuse me. And then we'll also look into the election results of last week. All of this on Taboo Topic. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this short break. The silence in the crisps. For burning us like incense. For putting us in prison. 94 crime bill had us list. Now you giving us a jab like Floyd. At least with Trump, he was giving us a choice. Left the troops in Afghanistan, boy. And you was on vacay, iPhone on the void. Airplane mode, block number, you was gone. Tried to call for help, but got the dial tone, though. Freedom can't stand it. We know you a savage, and you wonder why everybody keep chanting out. And welcome back. To Taboo Topic, I'm your host, Ken Drew, per usual, with your Weekend Review Edition. Like I mentioned in the intro, this week we're going to do things a little bit different, considering it's been a month since I made one of these episodes. So we're just going to go ahead and cover at least four stories, or five stories if I'm not mistaken, that we're going to go ahead and cover that happened throughout the month that caught our interest. With that said, I do have the guest of honor for tonight's show. I'm going to let her introduce herself. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty well. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself for the audience? Uh, sure. Uh, my name's Maddie, or Madeline. Um, I live in Texas, and I met Ken a couple of years ago at a church college group. And um, I guess the last year or so, we've kind of been talking politics a little bit together. So I'm looking to talking about it tonight. Yeah, um, what you may call it. You're like one of the few people that I met in that church that can actually have a, have a conversation with as far as politics or is even remotely interested in politics at that time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, what you may call it. How's life, though, real quick? How's life? Um, it's all right. Um, it's been a lot of working. Been mm-hmm. working at my office and they keep bumping me back and forth between different projects so it's kind of all over the place but 
um, overall, it's pretty good. I'm glad that I'm working and I have that income and, um, yeah, not too bad. How about you? It's going pretty well. I moved into my new place finally. And oh, so it's been nice to have my independence again and do stuff like this without having to worry about waking people up. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just had dinner with uh, my girlfriend's parents. So that was, so that was fun. So nice. Um, yeah, everything's just kind of falling into place. I did my first substitute gig about a couple of days ago and that was fun. I just did a, substitute gig for a study hall period and so I literally just the biggest challenge for me was to stay awake that was the biggest challenge <laughs> for me I barely had to do anything and tomorrow I have another gig to sub for ROTC class wow so, that's great yeah all those things are coming together yeah everything is slowly coming together um, the cool thing about the sub though in case the audience is wanting to find a part time job and everything like that it's a program available throughout the United States. But if you're interested in being a substitute teacher, all you got to do is go to the local school district's website, apply to be a sub. And basically, the requirements is very self-explanatory, basic. You just have to have a high school degree or high school diploma, I should say, and pass the criminal background check, and you're in. And you just got to work four days of the entire month. That's it to keep the job. Really? That's it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I might have <laughs> and, to look into that. And you may act, and I could qualify for some of the benefits like healthcare or dental as well if I wanted to, just by mm. working those four days. So, very easy wow. stuff. So, if anyone in the audience is interested, by all means, take advantage of the opportunity. With that said, normally, Madeline, I tend to ask my audience this, and normally it's, after one week, but since it's been a few weeks, almost a month, I'll just go ahead and ask my audience and you if you want to answer. How has your month been? Let me know through the social media platforms I mentioned earlier, ladies and gentlemen. Madeline, you want to answer that question or you think you kind of covered that with the last question I asked you? Um, yeah, I think the rest of my month has pretty much been the same as this week. It's not not a lot of variety, I guess, working 40 hours in an office, but... Um, besides being back and forth between projects, but, um, it's been, it's been good. Uh, yeah, pretty much the same. All right. Well, I think I covered my base as well. With that said, just go ahead and follow my lead. I'll go ahead and take, uh, take the first story to kind of give you an idea, like how this is going to go. But, uh, normally what we normally do on this show, especially for the weekend review segments is I'll Go ahead and give out the story, the current event, if you will, and I kind of give a general synopsis and then give my initial thoughts and then you give your initial thoughts and then we alternate to your story afterwards. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. So the first story I got to talk about since it's been a month since we did an episode like this, but... Joe Biden's approval rating has dropped to an all-time low. And this is coming from very liberal sources, mind you, like uh, clear, Real Clear Politics, USA Today. And they have Joe Biden's approval rating at a 38% and at a disapproval rating at 60%. 
which is the highest in since Donald Trump was in office. And again, keep in mind that the media, the, these polls are biased towards Joe Biden. Um, hmm. Some other things that some other numbers that I found interesting when I scrolled down and everything like that is when it came to the amount of people who thought Joe Biden should run for another term as president for 2024, 64% of the people they surveyed said they do not want Joe Biden to run for second term. (laughs) Wow. And Donald Trump in particular, they also did a poll for Donald Trump who would want to run as president for 2024. Uh, He had more support for people wanting him to run again in 2024 at 36%, but about 58%. So they don't want Donald Trump to run again. With that said, my initial thoughts when I hear all this is the fact that the media is actually acknowledging that Joe Biden is not popular says to me how bad of a job he really is doing right now when the media can't run cover for him anymore. (laughs) Um, And also another thought that came to my mind was I'm not even sure the voters have to worry about Joe Biden running for another term. A party doesn't (laughs) believe he's going to make it uh, to that or something will happen to where he's going to be forced to resign to before his first turn office finishes. And as far as the Donald Trump scenario, um, a part of me actually agrees with the 60 close 60% that don't want him to run again. Um, I think Donald Trump served his purpose and he exposed a lot of corruption and the biases of the media And I would also include that just because he did one term, it does not mean it was unsuccessful. I think it was a complete term and he did a lot of good things for our nation at that time. And I think it's time to actually get someone in there that could unite both ideologies, both sides, at least the ones that are more centrist than the extreme ends of each side because no matter what you say to that extreme end, like they're just going to be adamant and staunch in their beliefs that they'll never compromise anywhere. They won't leave any room for nuances. So that's my initial thoughts. I'll go ahead and let you take role on this one. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. I think, I mean, it's making an assumption, but I think this is something I've heard from, a lot of people is that uh, Biden, both Biden and Trump are people that are really polarizing. Like you're kind of either a diehard Biden person or a diehard Trump person. Um, And I think that really alienates a lot of people. Um, If you don't like Biden, you end up alienated. Um, And even the people who really did like Biden at this point are seeing how divisive he is and, um, Especially like that article that you sent me about Joe Biden's approval ratings, as an example, talks about critical race theory and how people are not a fan of that being taught in schools. That a majority of people of all different demographics think that it should not be taught 
um, I think when you have a president that pushes such divisive issues, you're going to have a lot of people, um, I guess, rethinking the decision that they made and thinking going forward, maybe we need to not have someone who's so divisive. But I would also imagine that doesn't mean going back to someone like Trump because he's also incredibly divisive. And I think at this point, we're kind of like, let's not have Biden and let's not have Trump. Let's find someone in the middle who's more moderate and isn't going to alienate the entire rest of the population. Um, to me, it's kind of encouraging. This is my bias coming out. It's kind of encouraging to see that that many people um, disapprove of Biden, I guess, because um, there's so much that I see in the media about how great a job Biden is doing of everything and how like we should praise how he's handling everything from COVID to um, race relations and all kinds of different things. But this article went through um, COVID, um, how he's handling things at the border and showed how many people think he's doing a poor job of those things. I guess yeah, it was just encouraging to see that um, people are a little bit more realistic in how they view Biden than the media would have us believe. I would also say um, that it seems like they're polarizing Trump and Biden are polarizing, but for completely different reasons, right? Trump mm -hmm. was polarizing based on the stuff that came out of his mouth. Joe yes. Biden is polarizing based on the policies and the policies mm -hmm. are he ran, he campaigned as the anti-Trump. He's going to be the anti-Trump. I'm the better alternative, right? Mm -hmm. And that included reversing policies like the Remain in Mexico policy that forced the immigrants who were coming from Latin America to actually remain in Mexico before and make sure like they got everything approved by the courts and legal system before they can get their asylum. Um, the border wall, like every the Keystone pipeline, and I think people with these polls, it says to me that they're seeing, okay, we may not necessarily like the rhetoric that comes out that came out of Trump's mouth, but we definitely don't like the policies that he's you're doing right now. <laughs> right. And I think these are policies, well, like there are things that are affecting us in our day-to-day -day lives too. Like Trump upset people because of what he said, myself included. I did not like him for a very long time because of the things that he said and the way that he spoke. But the things that Biden is doing aren't, I mean, they are hurting my feelings, but they're also affecting my life. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, with things like, how he's handling COVID and the mandates and things like that. Those are really big issues that actually affect me and I notice it in my day to day. And so I think, yeah. You might get into <laughs> detail a little bit. About that. Um, well, what, I mean, everybody talks about like the rising gas prices, things like that, inflation. Um, that's something that people notice immediately. But then also with things like, COVID, the way that Biden is handling that, um, I mean, for me, kind of part of the fluctuation in my job recently has been considering if 
so the company that I work for has over a hundred employees and the vaccine mandate uh, that just went through says that companies that have over a hundred employees have to either make sure that everyone is fully vaccinated or they have to be tested weekly. And I am kind of in the position now of trying to decide if it's worth it to keep my job um, and be tested weekly because I'm not vaccinated plan to be. Um, and it's been a source of stress for me trying to consider if it's worth it to keep that job, if it would even matter if I quit that job and tried to find one somewhere else, because I'm sure every other place is going to have to do the same thing. And so that's something that's really big that affects my life. Um, and something that I <laughs> don't approve of that Biden is doing. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I've heard about different populations of people who agree or disagree with the vaccine mandate. Um, and I guess it kind of goes along with approval ratings. Um, but yeah, I think just in general, considering that, uh, it's encouraging to me to hear that not everybody backs what he's doing. And some people are like, wait, this isn't right. We need to uh, handle this differently. Well, I think real quickly, I don't know if you know this or not, but the courts did block the mandate recently. I did hear that. Yeah. So I'm sure that's encouraging for you and for yes. the audience to understand you got COVID when it first hit here, right? Right. So to you, it doesn't make any sense. You have that natural immunity at that point, and that makes no sense for you to get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And and that kind of, but unfortunately the mandate kind of leads takes away the room for nuances essentially mm -hmm. and frankly i think it's a violation of hipaa but i digress <laughs> that's a different conversation a violation of human rights but uh yeah that is a different conversation definitely um what should we call it yeah i think with the policies like you mentioned i think it's you're spot on when the policies that Joe Biden has reversed, we have seen a direct impact in our daily lives. We've mm -hmm. seen the gas prices. I'm not sure how high the gas prices are in San Antonio right now. Um, when I left San Antonio, it was like around 260, 240, kind of depending on which gas station you went, basically. Mm-hmm. And in Florida, the highest, the lowest I saw by the time I got here was like around 290-ish. Oh now, God. yes, now the gas prices, I haven't seen a single gas station that's below $3. Every single gas station, I think the highest I saw at one point was like 360. It was ridiculous. Oh my goodness. Levels I haven't seen since high school. <laughs> yeah, and that's crazy. And on top of that, my grocery bills, which that's something that people talk about a lot, like grocery bills are going up as well. Inflation. Mm -hmm. I remember I paid in groceries $240 and for basically the same stuff I would get back when I was in San Antonio for like $100 to $90 every time wow. I went to the grocery store. <laughs> Granted, it was the first grocery bill I had, so I had to get like a lot of new things, so maybe that's what it was. But... Mm -hmm. Regardless, I've never had a grocery bill that big before, even when I did move into a new place. I think the most I ever paid for a grocery bill whenever I moved into a new place was like closer to like $120, $130 mm -hmm. 
the grocery bill when I first moved in somewhere, I never got close to 200. And not only did I reach 200, I surpassed and almost we're getting, <laughs> we're, we're getting close now to the 300 range. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's definitely true. The saying of money talks, people's mm-hmm. wallets are being affected and people also don't feel safe especially when it comes to the border. I'm not sure how the situation in Texas is being handled considering that y'all are a border state. Um, but people don't like the idea of just people can walk in and basically invade the border more or less. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. no security. People are just being released into the public without any sort of vetting system. And and I think a lot, what's turning people off right now is also the hypocrisy on that end they'll mm-hmm. they'll make americans t- try to f- get the vaccine they'll try to mandate everyone get the vaccine but the illegal aliens that are coming here they don't have to get the vaccine they could just go into the public they're fine right. and people see that and people get upset with that and i agree i think it's encouraging to see that despite the liberal media all right the liberal these are liberal polls <laughs> That they can't hide the fact that people are not a fan of Joe Biden at this point, which probably tells me that it's probably a lot worse than what they're willing to admit right now. Um, You can't really positively spin a 38% approval rating. No, you really can't. Um, And it kind of, it's a good segue to the next segment, which I'll let you uh, take lead on this one. This kind of gets into the whole media suppression and trying to, run cover for joe biden uh with the let's go brandon so go ahead yeah so for anyone who wouldn't know um gosh when was this a couple weeks ago um there was an interview with someone named brandon who had just won what was it like a nascar race or something like that Mm -hmm. i don't think it was was it nascar it was nascar some kind of race and there was an interview with this guy named Brandon, um, and he was being interviewed about his victory, and he was all excited. And the reporter is talking to him and goes, listen, the whole crowd is cheering for you. They're saying, let's go, Brandon. But you can hear in the background, this crowd is chanting, F Joe Biden. And uh, I heard about this because my mom showed it to me. Uh, she listens to these political commentators on Facebook uh, and they were talking about it. And basically ever since then, this has blown up and people are using let's go Brandon all the time everywhere from what I've heard to basically diss Biden. Um, My mom was telling me that there are, I mean, I've seen, I got stuck kind of behind a Trump train on the highway the other day (laughs) Uh, And one of the trucks had a flag going out the back that said, let's go, Brandon. It was like waving in the wind as they were going down the highway. It was kind of funny. Um, But my mom was telling me that, excuse me, that there are places where um, like there are billboards that say, let's go, Brandon. Or I think she was telling me about, you know, how churches have those signs outside where they put up the letters and write a little message and no way. About a Bible verse or something no like way. that. I think she was telling me about one that said, let's go, Brandon, which to me is like, okay, that's probably a little inappropriate. But basically the point is it's all over the place. I even heard that uh, there was, 
it turns out that this was fake, but um, my mom mentioned that there was a story about uh, that phrase being banned in Canada, like by the government, um, which I thought was funny. Uh, and then I think like last week there was a, I think it was a Southwest pilot uh, who allegedly said, let's go Brandon over the intercom uh, on a plane and people just lost it. Um, <clears throat> so with all that being said, um, I guess I had, it, it was kind of more something I thought would be interesting to talk about, um, but I had a couple of like questions that I've been thinking about with that. I think it's really clever as far as like a way to express your disapproval for someone without really being outright disrespectful. Um, but it's something that like, it's kind of just a lighthearted inside joke for people on the right, it seems like. Um, but people on the left I've heard have been really outraged about it and they think it's completely inappropriate and um those kinds of things but um I was listening to uh someone I think it was maybe Steven Crowder that I was listening uh talking about it and they were saying how like the whole time that Trump was in office um people could say like f Donald Trump or pretty much whatever they wanted to outright and be cheered on and like not get in any trouble about it um but to say something pretty innocent like let's go brandon gets uh it'll get you canceled pretty quick now um and so i guess one of the talking points i had about that was kind of the double standard between the way that the left is allowed to treat people they don't like and the way that the right is not allowed to treat people that they don't like um so I guess before I talk any more about it, um, sorry if you can hear the sirens in the background, by the way. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess I want to know your thoughts on it before I uh, ask any other questions. Well, my I remember I watched the interview when it first came out and I laughed just because the media, <laughs> again, is the fact that media is trying so hard to cover for him. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't obvious to anyone at that point, like you just made it obvious now, basically. <laughs> yeah. Congrats. Now you really exposed yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's even greater that they made songs about this and it's hit the <laughs> iTunes charts. Like three different versions have all three different versions of Let's Go Brandon. And <laughs> each of them like took turns at different points during the weeks. Uh, being number one for the iTunes charts. So I think that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I myself has said, let's go Brandon occasionally too. <laughs> um, because like you said, I think it's a clever way to kind of give some, to let someone know you don't like this person without being outright uh, vulgar to say the mm-hmm. least. Um, which I think I agree with the church. They probably, sh- that's not something you should probably say <laughs> or put on a sign <laughs> billboard thing. But regardless, I think um, it's interesting to see that with the poll and the Let's Go Brandon movement, it seems as though Joe Biden is keeping a campaign promise, but without realizing or even trying to. He's uniting people against him, it seems like. (laughs) People Mm. 
versus Trump, you didn't really it was pretty set like one side was gonna support him and one side was gonna be um they were not gonna want that, which to your point, I think it's interesting that when the right suddenly uh makes a slogan or trend that kind of lets someone know like I don't like this president, all of a sudden uh, they raise the alarm and said, hey, you can't say that. It's our president. In the mm-hmm. meantime, the last four years, we've seen comedians. There was like one comedian, I think it was like Kathy Griffin, I think it was, where she had a, the head of Donald Trump like cut off. Yeah, that's right. And granted, she lost her job at CNN as a result, but she's still around and no one's really calling for her cancellation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for a conservative in particular, like the right, like this is far and extreme I've ever seen the right go. And which may call it the fact that this is like too far for the right <laughs> compared to this outrageous stuff I've seen in the last four years. And there's some Christians that I've seen that they're upset by that as well, which that's a different conversation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're for upset me, by let's go Brandon. Yeah, they're upset mm-hmm. by let's go Brandon. Um, just for the whole aspect, like we should pray for our leaders and not uh, have that attitude towards a president, even no matter how much you dislike someone, right. which I get it. But at the same time, by not complying to certain things that are clearly not only unconstitutional, but they're kind of against our belief system in Christianity, we're kind of already telling the president, you know, let's go Brandon without actually saying the words. So I don't Mm. see, to me, it's not the same thing. And I don't see why I can't say let's go Brandon, but those are my initial thoughts. I, I listened to the song and the songs are addicting. And I think, you know, there's a lot of really trashy music, especially in the hip hop industry. <laughs> and so if they can create new music, that's a lot better and something that people can get behind, then I have no issue with it. I think it's like, I agree. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. That's actually even like the, like there's like games where the plane will have like a little sign and they'll say, let's go Brandon. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. And I haven't listened to any of the songs, um, but I can think of at least one song uh, about Trump where they use the actual F word uh, singing about him or Maybe it's a rap or something. I don't know. Was um, it Eminem? It might have been. Honestly, I'm not really sure. I can hear it in my head, but I don't know who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you said about the uh, about Christians being upset about it, that's kind of a different question that I had about it is like, um, I guess just from a personal perspective, what I think about it. Um, so that's something I've been thinking about, like, I know that there's the aspect of praying for your leaders and um, respecting them, even if you don't like what they're doing. Uh, And I think it's something I've been thinking about because it definitely comes in conflict sometimes with like American patriotism and standing up to what you don't like in a leader. 
Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, that's something that I've been thinking about too. Um, and then I think that there's also in respect that you're supposed to have for the office of president, whether or not you like the person who's sitting. Um, but that seems to kind of have been done away with the last couple of years. So yeah, I don't know, just something that it's like, let's go. Brandon is just kind of a lighthearted, funny joke, but, uh, it's been interesting for me personally to kind of take it deeper and see what I think about it and how other people are taking it. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about it as far as, do you think it conflicts with your beliefs? Uh, by saying let's go Brandon or having that sentiment honestly I'm not really sure because because it is such a lighthearted thing in my opinion and I don't think that it's wrong to express disapproval for someone uh, necessarily but um, yeah I don't know I think that it's kind of a I don't know how much you can say let's go Brandon and also be like genuinely praying for Biden and praying for the people in office. Um, at least for me, those are like two completely separate uh, states of mind when I'm like, okay, I genuinely want to pray for Biden and I want to pray for the country and the direction of it and all of that uh, versus like the... Uh, What's the word for that? I get, the only word I can think of is like patriotic, but like the stick it to the man feeling mm -hmm. of saying, let's go, Brandon. I think those are not necessarily mutually exclusive, but kind of. <laughs> so I think like, I don't, I don't personally see any harm in saying, let's go, Brandon, as long as you're not being crude about it or I don't know. I don't know. I haven't completely decided, but... I think it's definitely a lot better than the alternative, <laughs> um, which is what was originally, you know, started off as was F. Joe mm -hmm. Biden. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's okay to have that sentiment. I think you have to be honest about where you think your feelings are concerning what's going on around you. Mm -hmm. And you can pray for someone, but that doesn't mean you're doesn't mean you should deny reality too. That right. this guy is probably not someone who should be in office <laughs> right now. And yeah. the stuff that he's doing, he's basically telling us, F the American people. <laughs> <laughs> and so a part of me just wants, like, a part of me wants to say um, that by doing so, I mean, it kind of sounds like eye for an eye kind of deal. And, I, mm. and, it's, and I know it kind of sounds like a conflict, but. I think the Bible, we have to remember, like, there's, the Bible is not necessarily a goody-two-shoe book, and the Bible gets messy, and there's times where God does kind of get violent and asks the people to get violent, and it's not pretty sometimes, especially when it comes to certain rulers that have clearly disobeyed and forsaken God and the kingdom of God, and Frankly, I mean, this president wants the people to live in fear. Last time I checked, God's not a God of fear. doesn't want us to live in fear. Uh, he supports abortion. And last time I checked, God doesn't support that. 
but he wants everyone to basically comply or else. Right. And that's and that mindset, like it says, basically their way of saying F the American people. So it's like, well, F you too. We're just gonna go ahead and continue doing our own thing. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and so is it wrong for me to do that then? And I don't think it is. I think if it, if what they're, if the ruling authorities, what they're asking for, contradictory to God's commandments and His law and everything like that, mm-hmm. then I have every right to disobey earthly ruling because my first priority is my first citizenship is with God, and by mm-hmm. disobeying a Biden, if you will, I can't believe I'm saying that, but. That's basically what I feel like I'm at right now. But by disobeying Biden, I'm telling him, let's go, Brandon, I think. Let's go, Brandon. Listen, honesty is the best policy. I'd rather someone tell me if they like me or not kind of deal. So, Joe Biden, if you don't like it, appreciate the honesty. The American people just don't like you for the most part, as with the approval ratings and everything like that. But that's kind of of my view that from a biblical perspective so yeah, i i think i would agree with that i like i hesitate to say that but i i think it's a good way to like be chill but also authentic and like you can say that you don't like what someone's doing and res- like he is kind of saying f you to the american people and like I think responding to that isn't necessarily wrong as lo- as long as you're like you can disapprove of a person without hating them or like deciding that you're going to take it too far or um, do something that would be outside of God's commands. And I think <laughs> let's go, Brandon is um, pretty chill. So, yeah, pretty chill, <laughs> pretty chill. In my opinion, I think it's funny. I w- it is funny. And uh, that song we just heard, audience, you can look that song up um, by tapping in YouTube or Spotify. It's all over the place, even on iTunes. I mean, you heard the conversation here, ladies and gentlemen. So, with that <laughs> said, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back after this uh, little tune, I guess. So, with that said, stay tuned. So I'm going to get back to doing what I do best. And that's, and that's playing ball. And welcome back to Taboo Topic. I'm your host, Kenji, per usual, and I'm with my friend, Madeline. How was your bro- Oh, it was great. <laughs> yeah, I went to the bathroom. It was pretty nice. So, <laughs> um, what you may call it. I forgot to, I kind of cut it off awkwardly from the last segment but did you have anything else to add from that last segment nope that was it okay making sure that was my bad so that's okay i'm a little rusty ladies and gentlemen and it's been a month so anyways <laughs> um with that said we got a big we got a longer segment just because this, we're just going to cover all three of these stories in this one segment so with that said let's just get into it i decided to do a different story uh politically slash criminal justice related 
back in Chicago, and I think this kind of feeds into the whole conversation of the previous segment as far as why so many people are feeling some type of way, more or less. But this is from the Police Tribune, and you can look. So if you're wanting to find out uh, more about the story, you could go there. So this is about a Chicago prosecutor dropping charges in, from a massive gang gunfight as a mutual combatant. And the Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot, is not happy about it, to say the least. Uh, Kim Fox, in case anyone doesn't know, that's the she used to be the attorney for Chicago, and I think she's a state attorney now. If I'm not mistaken, don't hold me to it. With that said, um, she's had some controversies, including from October 1st, when she released five suspects in a deadly shooting that occurred on October 1st. Recent to charge men with first degree mother or any other felony, according to the Chicago Sun Times. Um, sources said the police sought to charge all five of the suspects in custody with murder and ag- aggravated battery. But on Sunday, Cook County State Attorney's Office spokesman Christina Villarreal told reporters that prosecutors had determined that, that the evidence was insufficient to meet our burden of proof, burden of proof to approve felony charges, according to the Sun, Chicago Sun-Times. Burrell also claimed that the Chicago Police Department officials had agreed with that decision. She said the decision was not to charge the five men was made because the people who were killed were, air quote, mutual combatants. Whitefoot, a former prosecutor, demanded answers from the city's top prosecutor about why Fox had cited the, cited the suspects as mutual combatants and opted not to press charges against anyone involved despite the fact that Chicago police officers had been on the scene and the mayhem was captured on video. She's got to explain to the public why, given that the evidence, a pod camera right there that captured the entire thing and police officers on the scene in uniform and a squad car there, why isn't that enough, the mayor asked. If the bad guys that are out there are picking up guns and shooting without any regard for the sanity of life, do not believe that there is accountability for them. The brazenness will not end. It will escalate. It will continue. And our, and our communities will not be safe. Police recovered more than 70 shell cases from the street, but that number didn't include the shell cases that were found inside the house. It's like the Wild West, a source told the Times. Howen looked at this, gotten a deep understanding from the detectives that were doing the investigation. It's really hard to understand that decision, the mayor told reporters. It's complicated for sure, but we really urge the state attorney herself to get personally involved, look at the evidence, and I believe that there are charges that can be brought at a minimum against individuals who initiated the gunfire. Whitefoot and five aldermen representing areas nearby where the incident occurred sent a letter to Fox's office that implored the state attorney Reconsider murder charges in at least two surviving aggravators, Fox News reported. We can't live in a world where there's no accountability, the mayor said. When there's no accountability, meaning individuals who wreak havoc, who fire indiscriminately or fire at a target, but without any regard for the sanity of life and the health and well-being of others. If they do not like the criminal justice system is going to hold them accountable, if they do not feel like the criminal justice is not going to hold them accountable, we're going to see that level of brazenness that will send the city into chaos. We cannot let that happen. The gunfire started in Austin neighborhood around 10.30 around a.m. October 1st 
after three members of one gang opened fire into a house with fully automatic weapons in an attempt to draw out members of a rival faction in the same gang, Fox News. A report, police report said two Dodge Chargers driven by members of Body Snatchers faction of Four Corner Hustlers exchanged words with members of the gang's Jack Boy set in 1200 block of North Mason Avenue. When it all was finished, one man was dead and five more were wounded. Once the gun battle ended, suspects inside the house refused to come out and the SWAT team had to be brought in. So there's more to this. There's a lot more said, but that's pretty much the gist of it. I guess my initial thoughts is this kind of, like I said it before I read the story, kind of feeds into like why so many people are having this sentiment of let's go Brandon. Because this is a kind of BS, this critical race theory application, if you will, where people are, certain officials are refusing to hold someone accountable because of their skin color, more or less, for this weird idea of justice. Um, This, unfortunately, really proves the point that those who claim to care about black lives are not really interested in, in protecting black lives. It's more about rewriting America into a communist regime and trying to divide people by race. And the only way you can, and that's really the only way you can successfully change our principles in our nation is by dividing people. And this kind of, I remember last year when this whole thing broke out with the George Floyd, it's pretty much like, it's pretty much continues that trend of um, people wanting to rewrite laws because of a small percentage of a police force that may be um, terrible at their job. And I think, I don't know, everything that the mayor said was right. If you loosen up the laws and you give the impression for criminals that they can get away with stuff, it's only going to get worse and it's going to hurt the black families who are not wanting to take part in any of the gang violence. And that's a real big issue in the black community in particular. Um, so I don't really like the attorney either Fox, but anyways, I'll let you go ahead and react to it. (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, I would agree with that as well. And I was reading a little bit about, um, partially just about this uh the state attorney and i know that uh something that i came across said that this isn't the first time that this kind of decision has been made by her to um basically just let somebody off the hook without um prosecuting them um and i think i think you're exactly right and i think the response in this article was right that if you if you loosen up your uh, your response to people who do things like that, if there's no consequence, um, it's just going to keep getting worse and it's going to keep hurting the people that you claim to be uh, trying to help. Um, there was, for some reason, it reminded me of something that I heard on the radio today on the way home from work. 
um, I think they may have been, oh, they were speaking about New York um, and everything that's going on there um, with the police force and crime and all of that. And, um, oh, you know what? It was, sorry, this is kind of a tangent, um, but it has to do with Lives Matter and speaking to the new governor. Um, and basically, the governor wanted to reinstate um, some of the, uh, I guess, protections that used to be in New York, some sort of law enforcement wanted to reinstate that. Um, mm-hmm. and Black Lives Matter was upset about it. And they were saying, basically, we tried to explain to this new governor, actually, all that they need is like people to be nice to them and to give them free plant-based meals. And like, <laughs> like they don't, they don't need to be prosecuted. They don't need law enforcement. They just need to be free to do what they want and have people be kind to them. Uh, and I think, I don't know if it's exactly the same sentiment as this article. Um, Cause it seems like both sides have a point. I've never been in the position of watching body cam footage and having to decide who's at fault and who's going to have um, massive problems in their life going forward. Um, so, I mean, I can't, I don't think I could personally really make the call, but it does seem like there's a bias towards not prosecuting and not punishing really big crimes. Um, those are my initial thoughts. I haven't really kept up a lot with this type of story lately. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I've been hearing and what I've been thinking. I think it's interesting how they use the word mutual combatant, um, because essentially it sounds like they are saying as long if, if people are shooting rounds at each other back and forth and that's completely legal, that's okay. (laughs) That was interesting. Yeah. I'd never heard that term before. So I was looking it up earlier. Yeah, and so it's like, so what, are you gonna, are you basically promoting a war zone over there? <laughs> what exactly are you trying to promote? Um, mm. Which, what you may call it, it basically allows people, it's like recreating the Wild West, almost. Mm-hmm. And, like as long as everybody's fighting, then it's fine, and no one will get in trouble. Yeah, more or less. And so I thought that was interesting how they used the word mutual combatant. Um, and unfortunately, um, I've had my issues with Black Lives Matter, <laughs> that whole mm-hmm. slogan and the organization, and everything like that. And I think if they really cared about Black Lives, they would realize that this is the bigger this is the bigger issue with um, young men getting into gang violence and leaving families behind, getting women pregnant and leaving them to raise their kid alone and continuing that cycle. Like that's the bigger issue in the black community, but they're going to focus on about the 200 killings that occur from the hands of the police without getting into the details as far whether it was justified or not, by the way, that's just a broad number. Mm-hmm. The 200 people out of the millions of black people that live in this country, they're going to focus on that rather than the 10,000 black people that die by the by each other's hands every single year. Mm-hmm. That doesn't get attention. But 
God forbid, a police officer shoots someone of color and they lose and they want to prosecute everyone involved. So I thought that was just interesting and kind of feed validates my thoughts about Black Lives Matter in general. So, <laughs> right. Um, you have anything else to add to that? Um, not really. I don't think so. Not keeping up with these stories? <laughs> not much. No, it was interesting to read this because I hadn't heard anything about it. Um, yeah, I guess it's not something that really comes up in the news that I see. And I've kind of been trying to avoid the news anyway um, recently. But yeah, it's kind of kind of just more of the same thing that we've been hearing for a long time about Black Lives Matter and the way that people think that law enforcement should be handled now. And I think it's because I know that you have a, a experience in law enforcement. And so it's interesting to hear your perspective on it. And uh, yeah, it's it follows the same theme as things that I am familiar with hearing about. But as far as this particular case, um, I don't have a lot more to say about it. Never. I will just add this. I have a hard time, by the way, when they said, like, the police agree with the decision. I have a hard time. That's mm-hmm. true. I feel like they're not being honest with, which wouldn't surprise me if they're not being honest, because it's, I mean, they're Marxist, more or less, and Marxists tend to lie a lot, <laughs> I've noticed. Mm-hmm. It's, so I don't believe for one second that the police were okay with the idea of, eh, let's just drop the charges. They're mutual combatants. Then let them go. Eh. So, especially if you have footage of everything that happened, but I'm sure it is uh, confusing. If you have like five people shooting at each other, I probably uh, wouldn't be able to point out to you who started it either, who the wrong things. But and this is and this is kind of like my issue with another issue as far as. I believe it's some type of police reform. I think there could be a better accountability measure for bad cops out there to make sure they do not get on the road and and involved in the community and everything like that. I think there are some cops that do get away with doing stupid stuff. I will admit that. But my issue with the other side when it comes to police reform talks is a lot of times it does get into the whole... They want to disband the police and kind of create like this weird social worker dream. Like here, let's just send a a non, let's send a person without a gun and they'll talk these gang members down and tell them Mm -hmm. it's okay. Don't shoot. Um, It's almost like a false sense of reality. Mm -hmm. And with that, they don't realize that in order for the police accountability to even work to begin with is it only can work if the people are willing to hold themselves accountable as well and hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately in the color community in particular, like Hispanic, black, Asian, everything like that minority community, like we have a bad habit of, using our race as a shield from any sense of accountability anyone who dares to hold someone accountable especially if you're white if you're white and try to hold someone from that community accountable you're racist now you're a white supremacist now and they just use the word race and mm-hmm. 
it's, it's unfortunate because at the end of the day, stuff like this just hurts the regular people the most. The people who do not want to be involved in these kind of acts of violence. They don't want, they actually want the police there because more police presence and the idea that the government's going to hold those bad people accountable at least, that that takes away completely away that safety net for those families, unfortunately. So, yeah. um, but this next story, I was surprised that you picked this story mainly because it's not because you're a female, by the way, audience, not because she's a female. <laughs> it's just the fact that I know her and she's not really <laughs> the biggest sports fanatic out here, but she picked something from another story. Actually, technically you picked two stories from the sports world. One from NASCAR. This is one from the <laughs> NFL. So I'll go mm-hmm. ahead and let you uh, take the realms in this one. That's true. And honestly, I know the name Aaron Rodgers, but I really, I couldn't tell you, even after listening to him talk and reading these articles, I couldn't tell you what team he plays for. I have no idea. <laughs> um, so it kind of surprises me too. Um, but yeah, the story that I wanted to talk about uh, is about Aaron Rodgers and his decision not to get the vaccine and how that has blown up in his face with um, what he calls the woke mob coming after him. So basically uh, what's happened with him is uh, he's in the NFL, which has pretty severe um, COVID restrictions, as I think most of the major or probably all of the major sports leagues do. Um, when it comes to being vaccinated or the protocols you have to follow if you're unvaccinated. Um, And Aaron Rodgers recently tested positive for COVID, uh, and so he was quarantined. And I think it was around this time, um, people already knew that he was unvaccinated by choice, but I think around the time he tested positive and had to quarantine is when the story kind of blew up, where people... Uh, got upset about him being unvaccinated. Um, And he had at least one interview that I listened to. Um, I don't know if he's talked to other people about it, but at least one interview where he basically defended himself and his decision not to get vaccinated um, and talked about how the woke mob has come after him for that decision. Um. And so I had heard about this like a week or two ago. It's an article from the New York Times the other day that was written about it. And it just kind of shocked me how brazenly biased this article was. Um, And so I want to talk about this particular article. Um, It's about his decision not to get the vaccine. So I, the, from the interview I listened to today, he spoke about how he has an allergy to one of the ingredients in the mRNA vaccines. And so he had already decided he wasn't going to get the two that had, I think it's Pfizer and Moderna, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, um, that have the ingredients that he's allergic to. And then he also spoke about how the Johnson and Johnson vaccine had been pulled for blood clotting. So he didn't want to take that one either. And so he had consulted with a bunch of medical professionals from all sides of 
um, the debate on the vaccine. Uh, he, he compiled, he said, 500 pages of research from different doctors that he talked to and just research that he did himself on um, the pros and cons of the vaccine and decided after all of that very extensive uh, research that getting the vaccine was not going to be in the best interest of his own body. And people came after him for that. Um, and so in this interview, he was talking about that and talking about how it was upsetting to him that people would call him selfish for making a decision that's in the best interest of his own body. Um, so there's the story in general. But this New York Times article that I was reading, uh, I took a couple of screenshots of particular quotes from that article that kind of shocked me with the way that they spoke about it. So um, let's see. I'm just going to read a couple of different snippets real quick. Okay. Um, so this is from the author of the article. Uh, says that, so when news broke that he tested positive for the coronavirus last week and was unvaccinated, Rogers justified his decision to not get vaccinated by speaking out against the highly effective vaccines and spewing a stream of misinformation and junk science. Medical professionals were disheartened, not just because it will make it harder for them to persuade adults to get vaccinated, but because they are also starting to vaccinate 5 to 11-year-olds. So this article takes what Aaron Rodgers said, which to me, from all the people I've heard talk about the vaccines, the way that Aaron Rodgers spoke about it to me sounded very level-headed and honestly not very biased at all. Um, but this article claims that he's, quote, spewing a stream of misinformation and junk science. Um, so I guess part of what I want to talk about with this is again media bias and double standards and all that but there were a couple of other um snippets that i wanted to talk about as well um let's see so there's a quote from a doctor in this article as well dr paul offit he's the director of the vaccine education center at the children's hospital of philadelphia he said when you're a celebrity you're given a platform when you choose to do what Aaron Rodgers is doing, which is to use the platform to put out misinformation that could cause people to make bad decisions for themselves or their children, then you have done harm. Um, I'll just go ahead and read the rest of the screenshots that I have here and then uh, give my thoughts on it. Okay. Um, let's see. So there's a quote from Brad Shear. He's a lawyer who advises NFL players on technology and social media. He said, the challenge for players now is it's so easy for them to go on podcasts and tweet. I tell players to stay on script, have notes handy, and when you get a tough question, deflect. His interview was like a car crash that got worse and worse. Um, then we have a separate section that says, um, television commentators, including the Hall of Fame Shaw also called out Rogers for potentially putting his teammates in jeopardy and not being honest. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the basketball legend, went one step further. Aaron Rodgers didn't just lie, he also damaged professional sports. 
the article says that Rogers also used his knack for calculated disruption in 2020 when he tried to convince other players to vote against a proposed labor deal. Um, and then a quote from someone speaking about Aaron Rodgers says, he is such a highly regarded and highly admired sports figure. We would want clear role modeling here to get the vaccine. And we certainly don't want role modeling of duplicitous behavior. So those are the screenshots I had from the article. Um, it's partially just screenshots because the New York Times gives you like a limit of one article that you can look at and then it like boots you out so you can't read it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but so I wanted to talk about the way that they're speaking about Aaron Rodgers' decision not to get vaccinated. Uh, and I guess just that conversation in general. Um, it sounds I'm assuming. Like, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, it sounds like the way that they're speaking about it, they're making it sound like he's some kind of villain who's like concocted this evil plan to spread misinformation and convince other people to do something harmful. And so I think just kind of a note on public opinion or the way that the media skews things is that it's if you have done all your research and you've decided that you don't want to get the vaccine, it's you're being willfully deceptive and harmful if you're sharing that opinion. It's not just an opinion, it's willfully harmful. <laughs> and just the way that they spoke about what he said, that he's, you know, spewing junk science and engaging in duplicitous behavior. Um, I don't think that he's purposely misleading anyone. I think that he's done a lot of research and come to a like a valid conclusion. And um, I think this is like part of a much bigger topic. Um, but I thought that this was a striking example of how just a normal conversation about saying like, I think the vaccine would be bad for me to take personally, uh, can be skewed to turn someone into a villain. Um, and yeah, so those are my thoughts on that. Um, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, as you probably may have guessed, I'm definitely aware of that situation. And especially since that's the world I really follow the most. <laughs> Um, so for the audience, in case you don't follow football, Aaron Rodgers plays with the Green Bay Packers. Now, you know, Madeline, um, <laughs> they happen to play against your dad's favorite team twice a year, by the way. <laughs> yes. That's an infamous name in this house. I can't believe I didn't remember. It's okay. But, um, which me call it. Yeah. So I'm assuming the show you're talking about, you saw the interview was the Pat McAfee show, right? Yes. Okay. So. First and foremost, to kind of backtrack a little bit before he tested positive for COVID and the whole world blew up on him. <laughs> um, there was a conference he had, and the media talked about this as well, um, that they asked him if he was vaccinated at that time. And his response was, yeah, I'm immunized. And that was it. The media didn't ask him any follow-up questions to get a better understanding like what he meant by that. But that was the end of the conversation. And everyone just kind of took it as, okay, 
Yeah, that makes sense. It sounds like you got vaccinated. And then mm-hmm. they tested, once he tested positive, that's when the media got upset and was like, oh my gosh, he's not vaccinated. And so, first and foremost, I think that interview was well done, well thought out. He sounded like a reasonable, logical human being that came to his own conclusions. Mm-hmm. That's what a sane person would think. And I think something that struck me towards the end of that interview was that he's not trying to be a champion for the right or he's trying to be not trying to be a villain for the left. He's just trying to be himself and just trying to make his own decisions, more or less. Mm-hmm. And with that said, so this is how I kind of picture what's going on right now before I get into the media. So I kind of see this. You have Aaron Rodgers is like literally in the middle of it all. You have the right that's trying to champion him as a hero and just like, oh my gosh, he's our <laughs> hero. Hell yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Give it, stick it to the man. And then you have the other side that's yelling right back and he goes, no, he's not. He's a liar. He's a terrible person. Misinformation. Ah! Right? Mm-hmm. And here's Aaron Rodgers just sitting here like, I'm not trying to be an activist. I'm just trying to be me. And actually, there's this follow-up, there's a follow-up interview that I watched today on that same show where he, that's what he said. Like, I'm not trying to be an activist. I'm, I want to be an athlete. And if you listen to both medias from left and right, they're making a, they're trying to politicize this. They're trying to captivate on his decision to not be vaccinated. Cause everything he said is really along the lines of what you hear from most right wing, um, more right wingers, if you will, I guess. Mm-hmm. Than you would from the, more from the liberal media, but um, which may call it. I think, yeah, I think everything he said in that interview and what's happened and transpired since has been validated. And I want to get into the media and the lies they have said about him. <laughs> Though yes. it's, there's been so many lies and how they have tried to spin his words to fit a certain narrative like first and foremost let's address the accusation from the liberal media when they say that aaron Rodgers lied to them uh i for when i got that interview when he defended his decision to have that answer like i'm immunized i feel like that was his way of saying to the media it's none of your business what my vaccination right. status is <laughs> And so to me, I have no problem with that answer because in his mind, he is immunized. He is, if you will, vaccinated, but he believes in homeopathy, you know, bodily Mm -hmm. autonomy, more or less. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what he believes. And so in his mind, it makes sense. And he tried to fight that and try to explain that to the NFL, which, um, you know, the NFL obviously disagreed, but right. So, so the fact that media is upset with that, I think, and then they'll say things along the lines of like, "Oh, he lied to everyone. He, you know, put his teammates and coaches in harm's way when millions of people have died from COVID. How dare he? How selfish!" Uh, which we call it. first and foremost. Last time I checked, I think it's okay. I thought it was okay to be a little selfish when it came to your own health, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. 
So I personally mm-hmm. have no issue if someone decides to call me selfish, air quote, or someone's selfish if they choose not to be vaccinated. Um, if they, Because at the end of the day, like, when it comes to your own body, I don't see why. Why shouldn't you? You should put your own health first, right? But mm-hmm. I digress. Um, but the only people that he lied to, or excuse me, the media's reaction, I think, is just really them being mad at the fact that they've been duped by someone who is smarter than them, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he just... Like, the coaches knew, the Green Bay organization knew, and the NFL knew as well. Like, everyone knew, but the media. And the media is upset that they didn't know about it, just like everyone Mm -hmm. else did. And, which goes back to none of your business, I kind of feel like the organization had his back and kept that on the DL. <laughs> it's not the media's business, and it shouldn't be the media's business. And yeah. it's unfortunate that the quarterback had to get to a position where he had to explain himself in order for this to, in order to move on finally. But right. I mean, I've heard so many spins on this from he's taking advice with ivermectin from Joe Rogan, which that's not true. If you listen to the interview, that's not what he said. He's not actual taking advice from Joe Rogan to heart. Like he's a medical expert kind of deal, but that's how the media is spinning it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ivermectin as well. Speaking of ivermectin, uh, on Fox News Sunday, a very famous quarterback in the NFL, Terry Bradshaw, Went on a rant and told said that Aaron Rodgers lied, etc., and that ivermectin was a horse dewormer, and you know Aaron Rodgers should listen to medical experts and everything like that. Which three things? Since he's he is the media, if you will. Three things. When I hear the media say, you know, you're not a doctor, I can respond back with, well, you're not a doctor either. <laughs> Well, who made you medical professionals exactly? Okay, you have other sources. You have medical experts, but so does the other. So does everyone else. There's other people in the United States that have a different opinion with the same background that you got your source from. Mm-hmm. So why can't we listen to other sources when you clearly have the option to go to your sources and go to pretty much any source that confirms your own biased opinions, more or less? Mm-hmm. But two. When Terry Bradshaw or the media says something like he lied and he needs to learn how to not lie and everything like that, it's kind of ironic that they're talking about telling the truth, especially when they lied about ivermectin, which has been proven that it's not just a horse dewormer. It's not just used for animals. It's been used by billions of people throughout the world since the 1970s. And the person who came up with the medicine uh, won a Nobel Peace Prize, as a matter of fact. Mm. Um, so that's just, so it's mind-boggling. And for a while on social media, because I follow some uh, comedic sports pages, and they make memes and everything like that, and I've kind of been going to bat for Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not even like a big Aaron Rodgers fan. Now I am, but... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, what should we call it? There's another thing that he said that struck me that um, 
Well, actually, something to piggyback on what you said as far as just having a normal conversation, like suddenly demonizes, can demonize someone. Mm-hmm. I think the media is stuck on the polarization in the sense that just because someone states an opinion that you disagree with doesn't mean they're trying to be an activist or they're trying to be someone. They're just stating an opinion based on their own education. Like, why can't athletes state an opinion and not have and not be an activist? Why can't both coexist? I guess that's my thoughts on the whole Aaron Rodgers saga. Um, Aaron Rodgers has gained my respect, not not for the fact that he didn't take the vaccine as much as just sticking up for himself and sticking up for people who feel as though like it's not um, necessary for them to get the vaccine. I think people should have that freedom. And I think it was interesting. I don't know if you found this interesting, but I found it interesting how the NFL protocols and how strict they are with the athletes who do not get the vaccine and how he based, how he followed every single protocol to a T minus two things. And that was the press conference thing where he didn't wear a mask at a press conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, the NFL also fined him recently for going to a Halloween party, which I thought that was, I guess that was also against protocol as well. Mm-hmm which I think that's stupid. That's his private time. <laughs> Why are you getting into someone's business at that point? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Another thing that struck me too, and then I'll be done with my, my initial thoughts. I know it's a long initial thoughts, but <laughs> uh, the NF, people are demanding that Aaron Rodgers be held accountable for the fact he wasn't wearing a mask and he got duped by the media and whatnot. Um, I think it's interesting they say that, but they'll take into account that the NFL knew this entire time that Aaron Rodgers is not vaccinated. They see the press conferences he's doing week by week after, you know, throughout the season without a mask on, know he's unvaccinated, so did the organization. And now you want to enforce your rules? What exact, why are you, if you really cared about you know, protecting the more vulnerable, if you will, based on their idea of science, then wouldn't you want to actually hold that standard up throughout the entire season and not just hold that, hold them accountable when you, you know, suddenly it matters kind of deal. So I found that interesting and how, um, yeah, how you base, how they treat players who are not vaccinated. I think it's, I think it is a form of shaming, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think it's it's confusing to me reading that article and hearing about that, how the media says that he lied to them because he, when he said he's immunized, he, he said that he had this whole um, regimen of things that he did to protect himself and keep himself healthy and try to make sure that he wasn't getting sick or spreading it to other people. And he had to get COVID tested every single um, mask everywhere that he went. And the only place that he didn't wear them was the press conference and I guess the Halloween party. But he (laughs) said that he was 
really only allowed to interact with vaccinated people on his free time and just all kinds of things like that. Um, and he got sick from another unvaccinated. That's how he got sick. <laughs> right. And yeah, so I, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's crazy the way that they can spin something like that. And he sounded very rational to me when he was speaking, but there's kind of a, uh, sense of like if you basically kind of what I said before like if you've done all your research and you've decided that you don't want to get the vaccine then you're wrong and you're malicious and um, kind of like from what Aaron Rodgers was saying that he he made the decision not to get it and he's just making a statement like I haven't taken it um, I've spoken to a bunch of different medical professionals and decided that it's wrong for me there's kind of a feeling of like the only medical professionals that actually count are the people who agree with what biden is saying and with what the media is saying like they're King only fauci. credible right they're only credible if they agree with fauci and something else that i forgot to mention from that article i didn't screenshot it uh, but i remembered it uh was that the author was speaking about how uh, an incredibly large proportion of NFL players have brain damage from just the game, from how damaging it is to just slam into people all the time. Um, and I think they were making the claim that some people, from the way that he spoke in his interview about being unvaccinated, some people were saying, claiming that he must have significant brain damage <laughs> because he was speaking like about not wanting to be vaccinated and, you know, whatever advice he got from Joe Rogan or whatever, people are like, wow, you must be pretty far gone. And to me, it's opinion to have. And it's just like, that's, it kind of feels silly to like let's go Brandon like is it okay to talk about people that way and then to have this kind of story where it's like oh you disagree with Fauci you must have brain damage like it's just a completely different standard on the other side you can say anything they want about your character if you disagree with them and then you know let's go Brandon just gets jumped on but yeah, yeah I mean there's a lot that goes into that story yeah, I think, real quickly, in case you didn't know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has not really been a fan of the media and hasn't been on their side, and <laughs> so, and I think there's I a couple of weeks, yeah, right, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, he even went on a tangent, I don't want to say a tangent, he kind of went on a rant about the woke mob, if you will, mm -hmm. and I kind of feel like the media took that as, oh, why are you calling us woke? And everything like that. Why are you calling us a mob? We're not the mob. What's wrong with you? And I kind of think that kind of got the ball rolling as far as it's yeah. trying to dig up dirt. Because again, right. the NFL and the organization knew. They've had this information for a while. You cannot tell me uh, this was not a calculated, as the media called Aaron Rodgers, that this <laughs> wasn't calculated when they released the fact that he was unvaccinated, which... By the way, I think that's a total violation of HIPAA. You cannot release someone's medical information without their consent. 
to the public mm-hmm. to begin with. And so I think that was interesting as well to think about that with what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, that basically the media told everyone, the whole world, that he was unvaccinated before he did. Mm. And which I would, if I were him, I would be looking into some lawsuits. He's got the money, so he can mm. afford some good lawyers, but I would kind of put in some lawsuits and say, hey, why did you release my medical information without my consent? Mm. And the amount of spins is a case of defamation, more or less. Right. I mean, there's got, and that's the problem with the media, unfortunately, is that there's real no way to hold them accountable. The only way you can hold them accountable is by ignore them, more or less, and hurt them where it hurts the most in their pocketbooks, money talks. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are letting them know just by tuning them off. They don't, and they're going, more and more people are going to independent sources like this show or the Pat McAfee show. I listen to Pat McAfee and watch his show for my sports entertainment now just because he's not talking mm-hmm. about politics. He's not. And here's the thing that bothers me, I think, the most about the whole situation with Aaron Rodgers is that, and this kind of feeds into like everything we've talked about so far tonight, is that they try to pretend to be experts on something where they clearly are not experts. And they'll mm-hmm. accuse anyone who disagrees with them. It's like, oh, you're not an expert. And like I said a moment ago, it's like, well, neither are you guys. You're not experts either. <laughs> right. And um, which McCollum, I think it's interesting that they get upset and they want suddenly they try to be pretend to be experts. And I think that's why so many people are now channeling and or funneling into like these more independent sources because. You saw the Pat McAfee show, the host, Pat McAfee, he did not pretend to be an expert. He even said, like, I'm not an expert in any of this. Mm-hmm. And that's what people want is, like, if you're going to talk about something, you know, people appreciate the transparency, authenticity, if you will, that honesty that's lets them know, like, hey, uh, we're going to talk about something that I'm not an expert in, but we're just going to go ahead and talk about it anyway and just kind of see where it goes. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that kind of environment. And you and I can attest that we're not experts either by any means of the imagination when it comes to like COVID or, you know, appropriate medicine. If we do get sick and whether or not the vaccines, but based on our own understanding, our own education, like you came up with the decision to not be vaccinated. Uh, And so everyone kind of comes with their own conclusions and there should be room for nuance. So that's, all I really have to say, do you have any final thoughts? Um, I was just kind of thinking that it's it kind of follows the theme of really all of the stories that we've talked about up until now about polarization and people just wanting a middle ground, um, not gravitating towards the bias anymore, and also uh, about being authentic about what you think about something. It's just, yeah, it's interesting how it all ties in. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I don't think there's such thing as a truly non-biased source. I think Donald Trump made that clear. He kind, yes. kind of, the like I said earlier, like he served his purpose in exposing some of the things that people were not aware to before. Mm-hmm. I think there's no such thing as a completely neutral source. I think everyone's going to have their bias. I think what people want is those sources to be honest if they do have a bias kind of deal. Like right. if 
if I if you go to CNN, they'll try to pretend to be neutral, but they're clear even though they're clearly biased. But I think what infuriates people a lot is the fact that they're clearly biased, but they try to pretend to be neutral when they're mm-hmm. not, and they'll gaslight you if you accuse them of being biased. And whereas I go to Fox News and everything like that. There was a time where Fox News tried to pretend to be neutral and everything like that, not biased. But from what I've seen from Fox News lately, like they've become more transparent in acknowledging their biases, and that this is a, you know, this show is more uh, opinion based than fact based, if you will. Okay. Um, and so I think that's pretty much. I think that's what really is driving people to these independent sources. Not so much to seek that middle ground, if you will, but just um, they just want that honesty and transparency and authenticity, if you will. And they they don't want someone who's talking that's more interested in Big Pharma's pocketbook or China's pocketbook than they are just having a conversation, just talking with people. Yeah. So and speaking I, would, of- I think there's like... I don't care if the source I'm listening to is biased because I know that everyone is, but I would prefer that it be an opinion and not something that they're trying to present as fact. And also in doing so, implying that I also have to think about it the way that they're thinking about it. Yeah, it's definitely a huge turnoff. And that leads us into the last story which the voters of Virginia had their say last week. And I said election night for when I talked to you and everything like that, because there's a lot more that happened that night that pretty much was a foreshadow of what I think is about to be the red awakening. I call it Mm -hmm. Uh, because this is what happened that night. So you have Virginia, which Virginia had not seen a Republican win office since 2009 or 2010, I think. Oh, wow. It had been a minute, yeah. It's been voting blue consistently since, and Trump lost that state by 10 points, and Virginia not only flipped the governor's seat, they also had the first, uh, they also had, like, the first black female lieutenant governor who also happens to be Republican as well. (laughs) You had a lot of districts in Virginia who are predominantly black flip red. And I thought that was interesting. You have a New York Senate seat where they had a truck driver who only spent $153 for his entire campaign beat a longtime politician, Democrat senator as well. And this is like state. Uh, Also, real quick, go back to Virginia. Virginia also flipped their state house back to red. They gained seven seats. Minneapolis, the vote to defund, disband the police failed. Seattle elected its first Republican uh, official since 1989. San San Francisco, as we all know, when it comes to shade of blue, they're basically navy blue. Like they're that uh, (laughs) blue and Democrat. Uh, they j- grassroots movement. They just had uh, a successful efforts to recall three school board members who are well-known progressives, and 
even the mayor of San Francisco and uh, supported the recall efforts. So there's about to be uh, some. There's about to be a special election. I think in February. I read correctly. Uh, Connecticut saw some districts flip red as well, uh, which I thought that was interesting as well. And go back to San Francisco real quick. Uh, this is the first recall effort or first uh, time something like this has happened in San Francisco since 1983 when Diane Feinstein, a senator a current senator in the United States right now uh, was mayor of San Francisco at that time, which failed. But I thought that was a fun little fact to know that she was once a mayor of New- of San Francisco. And even back in the 80s, she was not necessarily the most liked figure, even if she did win the recall efforts. So um, my initial thoughts, this just ties into everything we talked about tonight, I think. And I think people are voting Republican, not necessarily because they agree with the Republican Party. It's just the Republican Party just sounds more sane at this point. <laughs> um, it People are turned off by the things that they've seen on television. They're turned off by uh, things like critical race theory that's being pushed down school curriculum, not only in the public school world, but also in private schools as well. Um, which I'll get into that a little bit. Uh, They've been turned off by the treatment of police and, you know, stores like Chicago, for example, where someone is clearly guilty of something, but they'll drop the charges just because of the color of their own skin color for Mm -hmm. social justice purposes, if you will. Um, People are, and they see what happened with Afghanistan too, as well with, they're seeing Joe Biden's performance with, you know, from Afghanistan, that whole debacle, to the economic sores and the wounds we're facing, the spending that the government and Joe Biden seems to be continually pushing for as if money literally grew from trees. Um, I think this is just a, if this is not a wake up call for the other side, I don't know what will, and I have a feeling this is not going to wake them up. I think they're just going to continue serving their donors over the people. But I think the next three, four years are going to be really rough for the Democrats, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, it's like I said, it's not so much that people are turning Republican, voting Republican, because they agree with the platform as much as they're just not crazy and they're not communist or Marxist at this point. And people are uh, not wanting. They've seen it. They know their education. And they've they know what Marxism can not only do to an ec- from an economic standpoint, but also from a societal standpoint and how terrible, I mean, there's people every day that are coming from Marxist regimes, whether it's from North Korea, China, or Cuba, they're still coming to the United States for a reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I think it's just really a reprimand of their platform and I don't think they're going to learn their lesson. I think, and I think the media response as well has been very uh, interesting, considering that um, you would think the media would have like a come to Jesus moment and just kind of <laughs> self-reflect, like where do we go wrong? And there's been some instances here and there where there was some 
people that are actually like sounding logical and they were realizing like maybe we're missing something here and it's like duh but <laughs> um the media reaction you have people kind of like what happened when donald trump won the revenge of the white people uh white <laughs> supremacists it doesn't matter if you're colored and you voted for trump you're still a white supremacist now somehow mm-hmm. um which they don't realize that that's the kind of stuff that people are turned off by that makes them want to vote Republican. <laughs> mm. It's, uh, yeah, it makes a strong reprimand. And I, it makes me excited really to what's to come within the next three, four years, uh, between before the next election, presidential election, I should say. So, uh, you have states like Florida becoming a darker shade of red and everything like that. Uh, you have states, I mean, deep blue states. I mentioned earlier, New Jersey, for example. I mean, even the governor race in New Jersey was a lot closer than everyone anticipated. I think the incumbent only won by a small margin, and they were expecting they had polls of having him by eight or ten points and everything like that. Uh, same thing with Virginia. The govern the new governor, the elect governor of Virginia, was not anticipated to win just because of the trend as far as just voting blue within the last dozen years or so. And, uh, yeah, it's just very telling and encouraging for me anyway. So I'll let you go ahead and give me your initial thoughts. Yeah, I think that ties right back into what we were talking about uh, at first, about how it's encouraging that public opinion is shifting. And, uh, yeah, I didn't know that about... um, all of those different states, how things are kind of shifting in the opposite direction. I'd read the article that you'd sent about uh, Virginia. Um, and so I knew like the states that were spoken about there, but I didn't know that about San Francisco and um, all of those other places that you mentioned. That's, that is really encouraging. And um, you wouldn't know it from like watching the media, like you said, uh, there hasn't really been much of a change. Like from watching the media and the way they speak about things, you would think that public opinion about Biden is just like that he has a 100% approval rating and that everyone loves everything he does. Uh, but it's encouraging to hear that there is a rational base of people that are changing things. And I think it's encouraging too because with all of these types of stories there's kind of like a doom and gloom element of like society is crumbling before our eyes and it's never gonna come back and so this kind of story is nice to hear um and i know personally like i've experienced a shift from more blue to more red like when covid first happened in everything happened with George Floyd, I was on the complete opposite side of the spectrum from where I am now. And then just kind of the way that things have developed over the last year or two, uh, have, but my perspective has shifted a lot to where I am now on this podcast, the way that I'm talking about everything. Uh, and so I know the mindset of like, people that are more liberal or more blue and I also know the mindset of 
people who are more red or more conservative. And it's encouraging to see that um, people aren't just like digging their feet in and staying where they are. Um, but there, there are people that are open to a different perspective and we're seeing that shift in a lot of different states. That's crazy that there are offices that have been held by Democrats for decades that are changing now. Um, I think that's, that's pretty cool. And it kind of tie into what you just said a moment ago, as far as your shift, do you think your shift has more to do with what I said earlier, as far as, is that so much you agree with the Republican platform as much as they're just not the insane ones or you just found yourself actually agreeing more with the Republican platform than the Democrat platform as time went on. I would probably attribute it to just being more sane that <laughs> just like, they're not like the left is so radicalized now and like conservative, like there are radical conservatives too, but it just seems more rational to me. The conservative, mm -hmm. the way that conservatives think, but as far as platform, I don't. There are still things that I'm undecided on personally, or whatever. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't vote Republican all the way down the ballot or anything necessarily. But like, as far as I don't know, yeah, just being rational. It seems like conservatism. Uh, like I think the way the way that I started to change my mind on things was with COVID and George Floyd, just seeing the way that the media portrayed everything and then hearing the way that things actually went down. It kind of opened my eyes to how much the media spins everything in a certain way. I didn't really realize it before. And so I was like, wow, they are kind of crazy. And <laughs> maybe like being conservative they are more rational uh so that's kind of where i've landed now but yeah i would say probably more just the rationality factor is what drew me i would uh i'll kind of give the audience a little story too because i kind of have seen the transition i guess to an extent mainly with especially when it came to george flow and that first thing exploded uh you made a facebook post at that time basically defending Black Lives Matter yeah. and acknowledging your privilege, which is kind of like feeds into the whole critical race theory that white people need to be shamed into believing that they're somehow responsible for sins that they had no, that had transpired like 200 years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember having a conversation with you and uh, saying like, Hey, you know, there's a there's a other there's another view, way to to look at this, and that the media is not telling you the full story. What's going on? Yeah. Um, which uh, what you may call it, I think to kind of go into a little bit the critical race theory aspect too. I mean, it's this is something that was very important to voters, and I'm sure you saw in the article I sent that critical race theory was a major player mm -hmm. in why. Uh, people voted the way they voted for and the left isn't wrong when they say critical race theory in it by itself is not being taught and i say that in a sense like there's not an actual class or course that's teaching critical race theory but what 
they're doing is they're being more subtle about it and they're applying principles of critical race race theory into school curriculum, which I think is worse uh, mm. than actually teaching it just by itself, like textbook style. Cause then, cause now you're literally training young minds to view everything through the lens of race. Yeah. And that if you're colored, you're automatically oppressed that determine that alone determines your experience, your character. And mm. same with you. If you're white, that alone just determines who, your character and your experience and you're the oppressor mm-hmm. and people and parents just don't want kids to grow up like that. And, uh, it's something that's not only being passed out in schools, it's also being passed down in smaller instances like corporations and and uh, even in churches that have instilled some principles of critical race theory, which uh, you're not part of this church anymore. So, so I think it's safe to say talk about this a little bit, but, I, but uh, the church that we met through, I should say, uh, there were times where I... I recognize they were teaching like components of critical race theory in there and talk and addressing when it came to like racial issues. And especially when George Floyd, the whole incident exploded that very next Sunday, they talked about it and you would have thought we were living in the 1950s still. (laughs) Like it was so, it was so bad, but, Mm -hmm. but it's like this white guilt that comes with, applying the principles of critical race theory that forces that makes someone like you make a facebook post and saying i'm sorry for my privilege it's like that's not healthy that's you don't have to apologize for anything you haven't done anything (laughs) yeah yeah you were one of the first people who told me that like you don't actually have to feel like that and i was like oh (laughs) i like i totally bought into it and so like and I I wasn't raised on critical race theory I wasn't taught that from a young age and so I can only imagine what it would do to people who were brought up that way from the beginning to believe those things and to see the world that way and I'm really thankful for the people who like showed me a different viewpoint and a different way to see things and but I also know like how much I bought into it. And so uh, it is, that's part of why it's encouraging for me to see that other people are also changing their minds and standing up for things um, because I know how difficult it is to like be that sold on something and then change your mind on it and see it a different way. Oh yeah. And I think they kind of go back at that moment, which, I'm glad to be one of the first people, I guess, to tell you you don't have to apologize for your skin color. <laughs> but uh, what should we call it? The thing that also like boggled my mind was the amount of people that actually like were encouraging you and and saying like, yeah, you should. They, but they they drank the Kool Aid, right? They were totally buy into like, yeah, admit your privilege. And you had people they're asking you to share your pose, and there were other there were other white people. There was other white people saying this from the same church. And it was just mind-boggling that I had gotten to that point where people thought that this is actually a healthy way to think about race, and mm-hmm. this is necessary. And uh, it kind of, you know, it just makes me wonder, you know, when it's time for me to have a kid and everything like that, that uh, 
when I first met you and everything like that, if you would have asked me, you know, do I plan on homeschooling my kids? It was not on my radar screen. And I think you can attest to that. But now, after everything that I've seen the last three, four years, it's a lot stronger on the radar than it ever was before. Like homeschooling my kids is not sound that of a bad idea at this point. Yeah. And it's just because of the public education system and just schools just and private too, like I said, it's affecting private schools as well. And how they're buy, drinking the Kool-Aid just because they feel as though they have to, maybe there's good intention. I'm not going to deny there's like when you made that post, you had good intentions. It wasn't because you're trying to actually like make other people feel guilty or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you genuinely, genuinely thought it was the right thing to say and the right thing to do is the right side to be on. So yeah. I, so I definitely know there's people who genuinely think that way. Um, but I think this is the part where people like myself, other people from minority communities need to start speaking up more and telling people like, there's another way we can look at this. You do not have to think race about to this matter. Like when I meet you, I please do not be so consumed by my skin color that you feel like you have to change the way you talk to me. (laughs) And I think that's uh, something that even goes for the vaccine debate as well is. um, Oh, my goodness. I just completely blanked on what I was going to say. Vaccinated people, maybe. Vaccinated people unvaccinated people maybe vaccinated people should start speaking up more for the unvaccinated (laughs) oh well maybe that too i just remembered what it was um you were talking about people genuinely believing that something was right and Mm -hmm. um i think that goes for the vaccine and things like that as well because when covid first started like um the vaccine wasn't even a conversation at that point it was masks and uh quarantine and that kind of thing and when everything first started um my family was pretty concerned about it and we were staying home and uh not really going out anywhere and I would see people like posting pictures of themselves like out with people and without a mask on and you know I would be upset about it um kind of selfishly because I was like, well, the more that people are out hanging out and going around without masks on, the longer I have to stay home and can't go out and have fun. But also like the way that people respond to someone like Aaron Rodgers, it's not like as much as Aaron Rodgers doesn't have malicious intent with what he's saying. I think the majority of people who get outraged about him also don't have malicious intent they see someone who's being selfish in their eyes and someone who's hurting other people in their eyes and they don't want that to happen. And so I think they genuinely think like the right thing to do is to get the vaccine. It doesn't, it's not about you. It's about the people around you. And um, I've heard that as an argument from Christians too. Like if you're a Christian, you should get the vaccine. It's the loving thing to do for the people around you. And so I think there is something to be said on all sides. Like, I I understand if that's what I still thought, I would also be frustrated at Aaron Rodgers. Like, why in the world would you not get the vaccine? Get us all out of this mess. And so, yeah, I think people on all sides 
for the most part have good intentions. Um, but I think kind of what you were saying about people of color speaking up, um, it might be good for people, people like me, I'm white and all of that, but like to have been on the other side of these debates and now be like to have been on the left side and now be on the right side to speak up about those things too and say that maybe there's another way to think about this and it doesn't have to be um the way that you're thinking about it Mm -hmm. um yeah i guess to close my thoughts out it's uh from someone who's a public school product more or less i think i did homeschool for like maybe six months at one point can't remember i was like six seven years old at that point living in honduras but um what's been call it if someone is a public school product their lecture results and seeing how people parents are now wanting to get involved in their kids lives especially in the education realm is encouraging to me to see that parents are actually wanting to get more involved which mm. um that's something I think COVID because you had a lot of kids that would go to school originally and they had to stay at home and start doing virtual classes more or less. And so they were home where the parent could actually see what the kids are being taught. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's one of the silver linings of the lockdowns, I guess that we could, t- that we can bring up that it pretty much exposed this hidden sin that the education system had been pushing for generations now <laughs> low key mm. and that sin was finally exposed and the parents were like hell no basically <laughs> um which i point. and i would have said the same thing if i because i think there's i think it's i don't want to say it's virginia but it could be virginia i could be wrong don't hold me to it but there's a children's book that's available in the school where it talks about it's basically a pornographic book, children's book, of two teenage boys. You know, it had pictures, very vulgar pictures of like giving them BJs and blah, blah, blah. Jeez. And yeah, right? But this is like, and this is a children's book. It was so bad when the local news sites, uh, news sources covered it, they had to like block out the pictures. It was so bad. Mm. <laughs> um, and that's, but that's the kind of stuff that parents were seeing and they were starting to pick up on. So for me, it's encouraging in that sense that, you know, maybe there is hope for the public school system after all, um, as long as parents keep pressing the gas pedal, more or less, keep pressing the gas pedal, keep holding these school officials accountable. And if you don't like them, when it comes time for to vote on whether or not they should stay in, I mean, San Francisco already proved you can have a recall and have new board members, despite the fact that they voted a certain way for generations. Mm-hmm. You, it's still possible. And, um, and I kind of go into the whole election integrity thing. You know, uh, Virginia has less restrictive voting laws, I guess you could say. They're more liberal, no pun intended. But... <laughs> um, after the whole 2020 election, you have some conservative pundits that said it's not even worth trying to vote anymore if they're just going to cheat. <laughs> and I think this shows that if the enthusiasm is there and the turnout 
is far out seas to the if it's so big that you cannot come up with enough dead people, if you will, to make <laughs> up for the gap, then you could still win, despite mm. the methods that they may may or may have not used, um, not to get in trouble with the algorithms, but <laughs> that may or may not been used in order for Joe Biden to win because Joe Biden probably won Virginia by 10 points. We all know it, but <laughs> hmm. um, which we call it. So I think that is also encouraging to see that despite some of the more looser voting restrictions, because we've seen pretty much all the Southern states like come up with new election integrity laws that says, you know, uh, you have to show an ID, which God forbid you show an ID if you're a colored person, I guess. I guess, you know, when it came to showing an ID to buy alcohol, you know, that wasn't racist, but to vote, oh, that's racist. But anyways, um, it just shows to show you that if you actually energize a voter base to go out and vote, like, you could still win despite mm. some of the schemes. So I think that's also encouraging. Yeah, that's a great point. All right. Do you have any other thoughts? I don't think so. I think that about covers it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining on the Taboo Topic podcast, Madeline. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yep. Well, you're more than welcome to join the show anytime. Hopefully you do some point in the future. I'm sure you would love to talk more politics, but I have yeah. to get going. And I'm sure you have to get going do your own thing. You got stuff you have to do tomorrow. So you probably mm -hmm. want some sleep. But uh, thank yeah. you so much. Um, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, Madeline may not be back, but I'll be back after this break. So please, by all means, stay tuned. And Madeline, I'll talk to you. Sounds great. Bye. See you. Welcome back to Taboo Topic. I am your host, per usual, Ken Drew. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I know I probably sounded a little rusty today, but I enjoyed the conversation. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as well. By all means, leave a review on the podcast, no what platform you listen to this from. If it's less than a four star, by all means, let me five star, let me know so I can better serve you. See what I mean by rusty? I'm just like not on my top game today, but. I enjoy the conversation. It's good to be back. It's good to be on here, guys. And with that said, please tune in again for the next episode on Sunday where we talk about Straight Talk Jesus. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, until Sunday, thank God it's Friday. God bless.